Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. We've got so much to be thankful and grateful for of what God's doing here. We don't, we don't, need to, we don't apologize for it. And listen, I know God's doing it other places too. He is, and we're grateful. I've never had a guy stand in, in, a, in a pulpit and talk more about other churches and what God's doing there and be, and be thankful and grateful for it as much as we have here. It's not lip service. He means that. Okay? So we're, but, but it's okay to celebrate what God's choosing to do right here on Winder Highway. But just know that God doesn't just show up on Winder Highway on Sunday mornings. Listen, the growth of this body over the last seven, eight, nine months has been incredible. Just the people that God has brought to this place, for whatever reason, and the reasons don't matter, for whatever reason, people have chosen to come here. And we celebrate the fact that God's grown this body of believers. We celebrate salvations. Listen, I heard you said, don't ever let this get, don't ever get over that. It, it, it should never become something that we just, we ought to celebrate that every, and we do. I don't have any salvations. I think Brent, BB, 89, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's too many to count now, which is a blessing in itself. God's saving people. But you know what's awesome about, about what, the way God's saving people? Listen, I wrote, Pablo was not saved in church. Pablo was not saved in a church. Pablo was saved on the job. So listen, what's going on? God's saving people right here, but he's saving people outside of here, which to me gets me even more excited. Because that tells me that what's going on here on Sunday mornings is getting taken out there where it belongs. So God's saving people. God's baptizing people. Listen, all those folks that have been saved have been baptized, but then we've had others that have realized, you know what, I've never made my faith public. I was saved back whenever this, that, and the other. I never made it public. And I'm thankful for a church that says, you know what? You need to do that. You need to do that. And those waters have been stirred week after week after week after week. And we ought to be thankful for that. We ought to be grateful for that. Young families are coming to this church. I made no, I put babies down. Dude, there are a million babies we got babies. We got, we, listen, you need to help in the nursery now. Don't, don't think, I wonder if they need help. Yeah, they do need help. <laughs> Volunteer down there and help. We got young families. And I, say, I mention young families because of this. Because there's so much outside right now. There's, the, the world is attacking our young folks with worldly things and faults, falsehoods, untruths. And a lot of them are, are running that direction. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the truth that spoke here, the truth in the God that shared here, that's attractive to some of these young, these young folks want the truth. They want the truth. So I'm encouraged by our young families. VBS, 300 plus. Now you know what that means. There'll be 300 tonight. But then them rugrats are going to go home because it's going to be fun. And they're going to tell everybody they know in their neighborhood. Tomorrow night, it may be 600. Listen, we ought to be grateful for that. God's sending us 300 plus young people, young kids that are going to hear the gospel. I think about Celebrate Recovery that's been meeting up here on the hill in the old, yes. I think about all that God's doing in, in and through that, that program. And I'll tell you, I'm going to hit on that here in a little bit. I think it has a a major impact in what's going on in our church right now. And I'll, I'll connect those dots in a second. But we thank God for God, what, what God's doing through Celebrate Recovery. 
We thank God for the, the community impact in our schools, all of our schools, not just schools on the south end down here. All of our schools know and have been served by, by this church. Our neighborhoods have been impacted by this church. God's using this place. Other churches are being impacted. I think about what's going on at City Church. There's a lot of folks here that have dove into that place and, and loved that place and, 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 and are serving that place. And there's others now. And other churches are hearing that. All of those things now, we ought to celebrate. We ought to be thankful and grateful for. We should never take those things for granted. But I know Brian mentioned one Sunday, he talked about people are asking him, what's the secret then? What are you doing? What's the secret? What's the secret? I mean, people are saying, is it, is it your staff? And listen, I'll tell you, we got, we got a great staff. Very young, talented, energetic. I mean, I, all this stuff back in here, I, I was sitting in on the meeting this morning and they're, they're talking about what, I mean, it's like a foreign language. All this, we're going to drop the beat here, four count, da, 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 and I'm like, what? And I'm looking around and I don't even know if they really knew what Brandon was saying, but Brandon's sounding good to Brandon. I say that and say, listen, it's not, they don't just show up and play music. We've got incredible staff. We've got incredible people, but that, that ain't the secret now. That ain't the secret. Is it the programs? Nope. It ain't the programs. It ain't VBS. It ain't Celebrate Recovery. It ain't, it ain't the programs either now. I love them. They're great, but it ain't the secret. Is it you? Is it the people? The beautiful people of Chestnut Mountain Church? Some of you said, you kind of nodding. <laughs> I got a secret. It ain't. It ain't you either. Let me tell you what the secret is. When I came to preach back in 2017, I preached this, this scripture, both services. I only preached about it. Well, I wasn't, but about five, six weeks apart. But God put it on my heart to preach this scripture right here that I'm just going, we're going to be in Colossians, so hang with me. But this, this, this is the secret. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. The church is just being born, brand new baby church. And here's what happened. So those who accepted the message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added. Church membership went up pretty quick that day. And they devoted themselves. Listen to me now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. That's, that's all they did. And I'm telling you, I just feel like in this place right now, that's all Brian Hall's done. He ain't smart enough to do anything any different. <laughs> that's what he's done. And you know what? From the time he stepped foot here, that's what this staff has done. That's what these programs have been about. That's what you've been about. That's what you've bought into. It says on down there in verse 40, and every day they devoted themselves. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and they broke bread from the house to house and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Is it not interesting that in this place the past six, seven, eight months, it ain't Sundays, it is but it ain't just Sundays when people are being saved. It's Mondays and maybe Tuesdays, maybe even a Wednesday. God may choose to do it on a Thursday. It's every day. Why? Because they, do, they devoted themselves and they stuck with this as the early church. Sean Quez was not saved on a Sunday. I, I don't know. but they devoted themselves to the fundamentals. I, I just think, it, I, I like to keep it simple. I'm a football coach. Sean Quiz can kind of, he can, he can amen to this too then. Listen, in football, back when I coached, I remember um, I, I was at North Hall High School, coached my last three years at North Hall High School. We had a pretty good football team during that time. And this is, I'm speaking about the fundamentals now, keep it, keeping it simple. And every year in the summertime, dude, you spend all summer long in the fundamentals. You know what the two most important things in football are? Out, don't say athletes, because I know it is. Yeah, athletes do help a lot. <laughs> if they're all built like that, then you, you've got a pretty good shot. <laughs> two, two things matter. Blocking 
and tackling. Listen, on offense, if you don't block, you don't score. You just don't. You've got to block. Right? On defense, if you can't tackle, <laughs> they're going to score. So it's the fundamentals of football, blocking and tackling. And listen, early on in, in, in the season, in the summertime, that's what we would spend all our time on, the fundamentals, blocking, tackling, blocking, tackling. We didn't worry about who we were playing. It didn't matter who we were playing. It didn't matter what was going on outside of us. It was blocking, tackling. You get into week one, you'd play, you'd play pretty good. Why? Because you were focused on the fundamentals, blocking and tackling. You get into week two, blocking and tackling. Week three, all of a sudden now we're starting to game plan a little bit. We're tweaking this thing a little bit, a little bit of blocking and tackling, a lot of this other game, week four, and I'll never forget, every season, Bob Christmas would come in about week four, we wouldn't play well, we'd still win, but we wouldn't play well, and he would say, you know what, throw the film in the trash, we ain't watching film tonight, we ain't worried about who we're playing, we got to get back to the fundamentals, we got to get back to blocking and tackling. And we go back out there that money as a coaching staff, we go right back to the beginning, right back to the fundamentals. You know why? Because that's what matters. And I think when we read the book of Colossians, here's all Paul's saying to this church. This church was following that method to the, I mean, to the T. They were a young church. They were following the formula. They were focused on the fundamentals. But Paul knew Paul knew, he's warning them in this book, keep it that way, stay there. And I'm telling you, that warning 2,000 years ago to this church is the same warning to Chestnut Mountain Church today. We just celebrated, God's doing great things. But I'm telling you, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll program the Holy Spirit right out of this thing. We'll program him right out of this thing. We'll think we've got to drum up. What happens that first Sunday somebody doesn't get saved? What happens that first Sunday somebody doesn't get baptized? Do we panic? Oh, no, we got to do something. We got to come up with something. No, you don't. You stick with the fundamentals. You stick with the fundamentals. That's what Paul's telling this church at Colossae, and that's what I'm telling God told me to tell me. I'm preaching myself this morning now, okay? I promise you. So Paul's not writing to a, trouble, a church that's in trouble yet. But you know well what I do. All them other letters. There's some other letters in here now that, boy, them folks had it upside down. And he had to get on them pretty good. This church is not there yet. This church was not there yet. His warning really is just saying, don't get too fancy. Don't get too proud. Stick with the fundamentals of the gospel. Let's do a little cliff name. Anybody remember cliff notes? You're, oh, yeah. Man, look, he, he's smiling big time. He probably graduated on Cliff Note, just like me. I can remember going in the store. Remember the store? They had that little round cart, and the, and the books was all on the cart. And I would go in praying, God, please, may that book be on that, that, that shelf. That book that I got in English, I promise, please let the Cliff Notes be there, because if not, I'm going to fail this class. Let me give you some cliff notes of where we've been. Two, and this will accomplish two things. Number one, if you haven't been with us, this will get you caught up in where we are. Number two, if you have been with us and you've been sleeping through Brian's message, this will also get you caught up. Paul starts out in this book praising the church. And I think we can echo, we, we, can, we can see this praise to this church, but also we can probably picture it being a praise for us here too. Listen to what he says in chapter one. Let me get there. Verse uh, 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. Think about that. Paul had heard about their faith in Christ and he'd heard about um, the love that they had for each other. I think we could say, you know what? Paul could have said the same thing about us right now. In this season we're in right now, I think Paul would have wrote a letter like that to, to Chestnut Mountain. Look in verse 6. This gospel, it's bearing fruit and it's growing all over the world. We just celebrated fruit. That's what we just talked about. The fruit of all that God's doing. I can see Paul writing that letter back to Chestnut Mountain. Praising. 
So Paul praises them. He prays for them. Look in verse 9 through 12. He says, listen, for this reason also since the day I heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. And here's what he's asking. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Paul was praying, keep walking. Keep being worthy. Your walk being worthy. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to all his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Paul praised that church. They deserve that. Paul prayed for that church. Paul then started to remind the church. Look, remember in 21 when Brian preached, verse chapter 121, and you were once alienated and hostile in mind because of your evil actions. Listen, I think we always need to be reminded of who we were, where we were. I've always said, listen, it's the bad news that makes the good news good. If it ain't bad, there is no good. The bad news is I was lost. I had no hope. Nothing I could do could get me out of that lostness except for Jesus. And I think we always, Paul's saying, listen, the church, you're blowing and going. It's great. You're doing great. But don't forget who you were. Don't forget who you were. And don't forget who you are. You once were alienated and hostile in mind, but now you ain't. That's not in there. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you, you, underline that, that's you, holy, faultless, and blameless before him. Anybody in here feel holy this morning? Probably not. I'm, you are. You are. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what he did. Man, we got to be reminded that every time we walk in here, we ought to be reminded of God, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that girl anymore. And you know why? It's because of Jesus. It's because of him. Every time we do that, that's just an example of that. The, the, the lady this morning, the lady, I don't even know her. Never, never, never seen her before in my life. He got baptized at the night. That, that righteous service that meets at 9 o'clock. She shared the gospel without this way. Here's what she said. And I love this. This is what she said. I was this way, now I'm this way. That's all she said. Folks, that's the gospel. And if you ever get over that, if you ever get the fact of, I was this way, but now I'm this way. Listen, Paul's reminding them, reminding that church, don't forget where you came from. The bad news makes the good news good. Then Paul starts to warn them, though. This is where the warnings start to come. Look in verse 23. After that, after he reminds them who they are, he said, If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel. I love this because this, this is it's proving my point. He says you need to remain grounded, which means they were grounded. Remain there. You're grounded. We're grounded. But there's a fear now. There's a warning. Stay there. Remain steadfast in your faith. The church hadn't drifted. But he's saying remain there. You're, you're steadfast in your faith. Remain steadfast. It's a warning. And don't be shifted away from the hope of the gospel. Don't be shifted away. I like this hope of the gospel. That means, you know what? There are, uh, there's false hope now. You do understand the world promises a false hope. He's saying, listen, remain grounded, remain steadfast, and don't shift away from the hope, the true hope that's found in the gospel. So they were doing it. They were in the, they were in the right place. Again, God's doing and moving in and through the church. Paul is just warning. It's worth, just, just keep doing what you've been doing. So in a nutshell, again, it's about, the, it's about the fundamentals. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just keep doing what you're doing. There's a concern in verse 1 of chapter 2. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle that I have for you. All of a sudden now we see Paul's concerned. I'm struggling. I'm concerned because I can see what's on the horizon if you're not careful. Church. And then there's more warnings in verse 4. And I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with permissive or persuasive arguments. There were persuasive arguments on the horizon. And he's like, please, please don't be deceived. Verse 8, be careful that nobody takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Be careful, be careful, be careful. The church, the Colossians were not there yet, but it's a warning that they could be if they took their eyes and focus off the main thing. And I think for us this morning, who are we to think that we're any better, any greater, any, any more talented, any more, that we should not heed that same warning? So Brian, last week, Colossians 1, when he talked about, I mean, 3, 1 through 4, he provided a neat perspective from which the daily life of the Colossian Christians should be lived out, especially when he talked about in verse 2, set your minds on what is above and not what's on the earth. Set your mind on what's above, not on what's on the earth. So then these verses, we're going to be in 5 through 16. We're going to kind of get a practical sense of what that looks like. What does it mean to set your mind on of things above and not things on the earth. And three points we're going to make. That sounds like a good Baptist preacher too, doesn't it? Three points. Three things we're going to see this morning. Number one, we all have, have things that we've got to put off. We've all got things we've got to cut off and remove. We all have things that we've got to put on. Number two, we've all got things we've got to put on. And number three, we've all got a ton of reasons as we've already said. We've got a ton of reasons to worship him and to praise him and to give him thanks. So you know what? Every person in this building is going to be able to participate this morning. Every person in this room is going to be able to participate somehow, some way this morning. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, 5 through 16. I thought we'd just go 5, just finish this whole thing, and then Brian get back. We're like, oh, we're done. But no, he likes to take it verse one verse at a time. We'll bite off a little bit more today. <clears throat> Look at 5 through 7. Therefore, then, based on what he's already said there in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, therefore, put to death whatever in you is worldly, sexual immor immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. Now, again, listen. This is a letter written to the church. These are saved people. These are church members. These are deacons and elders and, 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 and whatever else holy roller folks you can find to, 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 to write the letter to. This isn't the lost people. So it's hard when we read some of this stuff sometimes. We're like, we think, man, that doesn't sound like saved folks necessarily. But Paul's reminding the church, number one, as born-again followers of Christ, we've all got things we've got to put off. And he starts out pretty heavy when he says, put it to death. Put it to death. Therefore, put to death whatever is in you that's worldly. Put it to death. Put it to death means kill it. Put it to death means kill it completely. You know what I think he's saying here? And then listen, this list, this is a pretty stout list now when, when you think about the things that he mentions here. Sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desire and greed or idolatry. Those are pretty heavy things. Here's what he's saying to the church. I don't think he's necessarily saying that those things are being practiced by those folks in the church. But I do believe there's a lot of folks in the church that those things might have been where they were. And he says that here in a second. But for whatever, they've not, they've not put those things to death. They're letting little bitty things hang out there. Little bitty things that hang out in their minds. Little bitty things that hang out in their homes. Little bitty things that hang out in, in, in other areas. They've not chopped it off. They've not, they've, not, uh, they've not killed it. 
and it's lingering. It's just hanging around. And eventually that thing may, is gonna, will, will bite you. It reminds me of the scripture Jesus used in Mark chapter 9. This is what Jesus said. It's pretty harsh. Listen, if your hand causes you to sin, what do he say do? Cut it off. He says it's better for you to go to heaven with one hand than it is to go to hell with two. Cut it off. He said if your foot, if your foot causes you to stumble, what do he say do? Cut it off. Better you to go to heaven with one foot than go to hell with two. He said, your eye, if your eye causes you to stumble, or if your eye causes you to sin, what did he say do? Pluck it out. That's, I mean, that's nasty. <laughs> Pluck it out. He said, it's better for you to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. You know what I thought about that in this? Think about our hands. What are the things now that you still have within arm's reach? That thing that's still within reach, you have not chopped it off yet. You may not be dealing with dealing in it. It may not be a part. You may be so righteous now that you're just floating along and, and, and just caught up in the wave of what's going on, but it's still there. And you know in the back of your mind it's always there. And you've not chopped that thing off yet because you're wanting to reach out and grab whatever that thing is. You know those places that your feet take you you know those places that you don't need to go? You shouldn't be. You shouldn't even be by. You shouldn't even be down that street. You shouldn't even be around, but yet you allow. You know, listen, I'm, I'm okay. I can, I can handle it. But you allow your feet to carry you to those places? Jesus said, chop it off. And I think about our eyes. You know the things that you look at. I think about that today with our, our cell phones and our computers. You, you know those things. Yeah, but I ain't doing that right now. But you know what? You've not done a whole lot to, to protect yourself and keep yourself from doing those things. Pluck it out. I think somebody today, somebody today needs to come to this altar this morning and, they, and chop it off. Today's the day. Today's the day to chop it off. Leave it right here. Let God deal with it. You just never... Let him deal with it. Here's the deal. He says in verse 6, because here's, here's what happens now. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. You do understand that sin's going to be punished. I've always said, I had to write it down because I never can remember how to, how to. Sin takes you farther than you're willing to go. True? Sin costs you more than you're willing to pay. And sin will always keep you longer than you're willing to stay. Always, if you let sin just kind of sit there in the house, in and around, just kind of hanging out and around, and you don't chop it off, that's exactly what's going to happen. And God's wrath will be. You want to bring this body down? You want to destroy all that? Then I'm, I'm speaking to individually now, us individually. Let those things go unchecked. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring this thing down in a heartbeat. Paul knew that. And he was telling the church, listen, you put it to death. You lop it off. You get rid of it. Now, you may be looking at that list and thinking, well, listen, sexual immorality, impurity, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Maybe you don't apply to list A. Well, there's a second list. And I promise you this will get you. Look at the B list there in verse 8. I call it the B list. It don't have to be the B list. And you once walked in these ways, must put away the following. Yeah, and you also must put away the, all the following. Anger. I mean, should I keep going? <laughs> Anybody in here struggle with I'm not talking about that righteous anger. You know, Jesus got angry. I know he did, but he did it righteously, okay? And he also was God. I'm talking about anger. Where you're, that selfish anger. You didn't get what you wanted. That kind of anger. I'm talking about, let's keep reading. Wrath. I'm talking about malice. Slander. Filthy language from your mouth. Think about those things now. So if the A list didn't apply, I promise you the B list does, or at least it does to me. 
It applies in my life. He said, put those things off. Get rid of those things. Listen, if there's a thing in there and you, you struggle with any of those, listen, this morning I'm telling you, come to the altar and put it off. You deal with anger. I had some definitions right here. I thought, you know what? I like to define some of this stuff. Anger, settled attitude of hostility. That sounds official. That wrath, verbal outburst of evil passion. Golly. Malice, ill will, a vicious disposition that results in hurt to one's neighbor. Have you ever done that? Slander, or we like to call it gossip. Refers to insulting or injurious or malicious speech in general. You ever just you ever talk about somebody in a malicious way? We all have. We've all been there. Paul was saying, listen, church, we've all been there. Church people, put it off. Get rid of it. Confess it and go. Put it off. I like in verse 9 where he mentions then don't lie. He kind of throws that, that in there like it's its own little extra. Do not lie to one another. Now, and we could talk about, obviously that means don't tell a lie. But you know where I think it really relates when, to the church today? Don't lie to one another really means when you walk in this building, would you please just be real? Can we please just quit playing church? And I'm telling you though, here's where I think, here's where I think Celebrate Recovery has benefited this body of believers. It's just my opinion, okay? This is just the way I, I... If you've never been to a Celebrate Recovery meeting, I, I would encourage you to go. I would encourage you to go. Here's what happens at a Celebrate. Folks walk in that building. They walk in that room. They don't care what everybody's wearing, what you look like, where you come from. What, all they know is, I, 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 I want some help. I need some help. I don't care. They, they're not embarrassed about a problem. They're not there. And, and ain't nobody judging nobody because everybody there is for the same reason and for the right reason. They all there because they want to get right, stay right, keep right, and celebrate the fact that they are right. And there's a freedom, though, that happens in that service. There's a freedom. And we act like that. Why is there so much freedom there? Because those folks are real. They're authentic when they come in the room. Now... That started there. And I remember I went on, I went early and I'd go and it was a lot of folks that I did not know and a handful of folks from Chestnut Mountain that would come and just kind of sit and, and they're there to support. Next thing you know, there's a lot of Chestnut Mountain folks that are sitting in there too. Why? Because they realize they ain't right either. If we'll really get honest, they ain't a single person in this room that's right. I think the attitude from Celebrate Recovery has bled down here. All of a sudden... Folks are walking in here and they don't really care. They, they don't, they don't, they're not worried about being judged. They're not worried that if I walk to the altar and I lop something off, or if I walk to the altar and I put something off, what's so-and-so going to say? What are they going to say? What? Nobody's worried about that in this room anymore. And man, we've got to keep it that way. There's an authenticity that we've got to protect here in this body. And I'm telling you, I think it started up there. And it's bled down here, and I'm grateful for it. If you're going to lop something off, if somebody's going to lop it off, be willing to have the courage enough to go down and lop that thing off or, or, or take that thing off, I've never seen it happen where anybody, we've all we've ever done is celebrate. All we've ever done is celebrate. And that's going to continue. Here's why. Look in verse 10. And we've been put on, we've, we've taken off the old. We put off the old, it says in verse 9, and with his practices, and, and we put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge. You do understand now that being renewed is a process. We're all on this journey. Nobody's perfect. Ain't nobody going to figure this thing out until we all get to heaven and see him face to face. Then we'll know. But everybody's on a journey. Some folks are in this spot in their journey. Some folks in this spot. Some people are going to backslide, go forward, back, up, down, in and out. We're all, though, being renewed. We're being renewed. And Brian did a great job a few weeks ago talking about that. That for that person, that young Christian, all of a sudden they're back out in the world and, and maybe not acting or doing. We don't judge them. We put our arm around them. We love them because they're being renewed just like I'm being renewed. 
we rejoice and celebrate and encourage. It's a process. And in verse 11, he says, here, I like that, here. Paul was saying here, talking about their church. I think he's saying here. you got to understand something. Here, this is a place where you can feel free to put off something. This is a place where you can feel free to lop off something. This is a place where you ought to feel free to put it to death. And you know that you'll be celebrated because it says here there is not Greek and Jew. There is not circumcision and uncircumcision. There is not barbarian and Scythian, slave and free. In other words, he's saying, listen, it ain't about who you are, where you come from, what you do, this, that, and the other. It ain't about that. It's about Christ. He says, but Christ is all. And as Brian demonstrated last week with the Tupperwares, he's in all. Christ is all. And he's in all. Christ is no more in me than he is in you if you know him. He ain't no more in Brian than he is in anybody else. If you know him, he's in you. And we're all even. We're all equal for the cross. Isn't that awesome? I pray this place is always is a place where you can feel free to lop it off, to put it off, and to know that you will not be judged for that, but you'll be celebrated for that. So I think somebody this morning, there's something you've got to put off. Something you've got to just, you ain't, it's hanging out there, and you've got to chop it off today. Second, as a born-again follower of Christ, we've all got things we've got to put on too. Now this gets a little, more, a little more fun when you talk about the things you get to put on. We've taken all the junk off. Now let's put on some good stuff. Look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, you do understand who he's talking to, you, anybody in here feel holy? I said you're holy because you know him. You're chosen and you're loved. Put on these things now. Listen to what he said. Put on heartfelt compassion. Put on heartfelt kindness. Put on heartfelt humility. Put on heartfelt gentleness. Put on heartfelt patience. Now, heartfelt's not in front of all those, but I, I believe it was supposed to be. You know why I know? Because, listen, we all know there's fake compassion. There's fake kindness. There's fake humility. We can play the game. Again, we said in the Scripture before, let's quit lying. Let's make it real. You know the guy that says, listen, I, God just blessed me with humility. I, I mean, I'm the humblest guy I know. I mean, I, I can't help it. I'm just so stinking humble. And golly, I praise the Lord for the humility that he's given me. That's fake humility. We've all played the game, though. Fake gentleness and patience. He says, put on heartfelt compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Let it be from the heart. And I think that's what another byproduct of this body of belief. That's what we've seen. Listen, those folks that do all the welcoming and the shaking of hands and the opening the doors and the, and, the, and the parking lots and all this other stuff, listen, that, that's, where, that, that's where they are. They just let this stuff ooze out of them. That's why they serve in those places and in those roles. It's heartfelt. We all know what it looks like when it's fake. It's heartfelt. Then he says in 13, though, forgive them. Forgive people. Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Now you're really stepping on toes. Is there somebody in your life that you've not forgiven? Are you hanging on? He says, if that's the case, then put on forgiveness. Come to the altar this morning and put it on and walk out of here with a spirit of forgiveness and forgive that person. Again, all these things now, these are things that he's speaking to the big church. But I'm telling you, each individual, we all have our own responsibilities as church members to these, these type things. And I like how he says forgive, but he, then he kind of puts some parameters on it. Forgive just as, as God's forgiven you. Now you've really gotten bad. Because now I start to think about all the things that God's forgiven me of. And I'm hanging on to that. That one relationship, that one thing that I can't let go, but yet thousands and thousands and thousands of things that the Lord Jesus has forgiven me of, put on forgiveness this morning. Put on compassion. Do you struggle with that? Put it on. 
Do you struggle with kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? Put it on. Put it on. But here's what I like in verse 14. He says, above all. If you're like me, anytime I see that, I'm thinking, all right, I forgot everything else he said. What's coming next? Above all, in verse 14, put on love. Put on love. That's why I think he says heartfelt. Because it has to do with love. You know, in 1 Corinthians, y'all had this read at your, at your wedding. Everybody in here did, but you probably don't remember even what it said. Because you was too nervous because you was getting married. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. This is how important love is. If I speak the language of men and of angels, but I don't have love, it says I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You can say all the right things, but if it ain't done in love, it's just noise. I'm telling a lot of us now, we make a lot of noise. Me. If you have the gift of prophecy and you understand your mysteries, um, mysteries and all the knowledge and have all the faith in the world, it says, but so that you can even move a mountain. That's a lot of faith now. But you don't have love. It says you're nothing. I'm nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor and if I give my body to be burned but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Paul's telling that church, listen, above all of everything that you need to put on, all those other things are good, but above all, you put on love. And here's why. Look at the end of 14. What does it say? Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. You want to know what keeps this thing sticky? You want to know what keeps this thing stuck together? It's the fact of this body of folks loving each other. Loving him and loving each other. Isn't that, remember, that, remember that wise man that come up to Jesus and said, hey, listen, what's, what's the greatest commandment? I mean, you, there were 500 million commandments back, back then, by the way. They, they'd added so much to them 10 that they, they kind of got a little crazy with it. And the guy asked Jesus, thinking, because he was self-righteous, he was this guy that was so humble that he'd, he'd tell you how humble he was. He said, Jesus, what's the greatest? Jesus said, here, here it is. And I'm sure this guy, I promise you, this guy's thinking, because he did it in front of everybody. Because he knew the answer, but he wanted everybody to hear. Yeah, you ever had that guy in class ask them questions? They knew the, you knew they knew the answer. They just wanted the teacher to say, so everybody, that's this guy. What's the greatest commandment? And everybody's looking around saying, you know the commandments. You know them all. Jesus said two. Well, really said one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. L love God. Love God. Ah, but the second, though, real quick. Love, love your neighbor. Love others. Love God and love others. I'm telling you, you talk about fundamental now. That's what Paul's saying here to this church. Well, you keep it above all, you put on love because that's what's going to keep us together. That's what's going to keep us bound together. And then 15, here's the byproduct of that. And let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. Isn't it funny how when we put to practice the things that God asks us to put to practice, when we, above all, we put on love, when we put these things on, when we put off those other things, there's a peace, there's a peace that ends up controlling our hearts. And isn't it awesome to have the peace of God within your heart controlling what's going on within your life? Brandon talked about how we don't like to be, we like to be in control. Listen, I, I, I just know in my life, when I've been in control, it ain't turned out too well. I'd just soon let him be in control. And the peace of knowing that no matter what happens, he's got it. And there's a peace there. I think us as a church, we really don't know what's going on right now. And to be honest, I don't want to figure it out. But I've got a peace. I've got a peace that God knows what he's doing. And man, us as a body, we just need to keep, keep, keep trusting and keep following. There's things we got to put off. There's things we got to put on and last. As a born-again follower of Christ, we've all got a ton of things now, a ton of reasons to worship Him, 
ton of reasons to praise him and a ton of reason to give him thanks. Look in verse 16. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing or warning, teaching and warning one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, singing hymns and spiritual songs with a gratitude, with a gratitude in your hearts to God, to God. I love that scripture, the message about the Messiah. Let the message about the Messiah. You know what the message about the Messiah is? Some of you may read that and think, oh, that's, I guess you got to go to school to get that. You got to go to school to learn the message of the Messiah. You got to study real hard to get the message of the Messiah. You got to be a preacher to get the message of the Messiah. No, let me tell you what the message of the Messiah is. The message of the Messiah is just the story of Jesus. Your story of Jesus. Those stories of Jesus. I don't know if Pablo could, could open up and, and, and come up and preach today. Maybe he could. I don't, I don't know. But I know what he preached this morning. He preached one of the strongest messages we'll hear. Every time we, we, we baptize somebody, it's the message of Jesus in their life. Pablo was this way, walking in this direction. And got intersected by a man named Jesus. And now he's walking in a completely different direction. Shunquez was going somewhere here there, here, there, and yonder. All the success in the world now. Every athlete in the world. That's exactly what they want. And it was empty. He didn't say anything this morning and preached the message of the Messiah this morning. I was going this way. I realized this, this is empty. Jesus intersected that young man, and now he's different. Let the message of the Messiah dwell richly among you. Don't ever let the message of the Messiah become just some, somebody else's story, because it's not. It's yours. And he talks about celebrating there in 16. And we celebrate in, in, in different ways. Singing, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. But there's a gratitude to God. There's a gratitude to God because of, that I have because of God saving me. I've got a personal story of Jesus saving me. I ought to be grateful for that. And I ought to never come in this room and not be grateful for that, as we said before. But you know what else? The person to your right or to your left's got the same story. And we ought to be grateful for what God, the message of the Messiah and what it's doing in the lives of the people in and around us. And then collectively as a church, we ought to always stand to our feet and applaud and clap and, 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 and raise a ruckus. When somebody, when the message of the Messiah hits home in somebody's heart, when that happens, we collectively ought to have a gratitude to Him that's incredible. And you know what? The message of the Messiah can be preached. It can be sung, and it will. It can be lived. It can be experienced. It can be seen. It can be touched. May the message of the Messiah, may the message of the Messiah. There's an old song. Y'all won't know this song. The Blackwood Brothers. I know they ain't but a handful of folks in here. Like, I know exactly who the Blackwood Brothers are. They used to sing a song that is one of my favorites called I've Been Redeemed. And here's what it says. One of the lines in that song. I've been redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. Because I've been redeemed. Well, I've got a lot of gratitude for that this morning. But you know what? There's some days I don't. Isn't that sorry? There's some days I don't have a lot of gratitude for a Pablo. I'm not, I'm not gracious for what God's doing in and around the people, in and around me. 
And then there's some days I'm not even grace, have a good gratitude about what God's doing here in this church. I'm convicted of that this morning. I want to be. This morning, during the invitation, here's it. Decision time. When the altar's open, three things. This is simple. Three, things, three, three ways to participate. Somebody in the room needs to lop it off. Something in your life needs to be put to death today. You can do that at this altar. There's no magic saying. There's no. Just walk down here and say, God, I'm done with that. I'm cutting that off. Help me. Maybe that's you. Number two, maybe there's something that you need to put on today. Maybe some of those things you need to come down. You know, like, I'm not very gracious, and I know I'm, I want to put that on today, Lord. Put that on me today. Somebody needs to put it on today. Third, we all, though, when we get to the part of where we're praising and where we're worshiping this morning, we all need to participate and have a heart of gratitude for what God's doing in and through this place, in and through those in and around us, and within my own heart. I want to be gracious. I want to have gratitude. I want to be thankful for what God's doing. Here's the secret. Whatever your need is, you can find it down here. Because Jesus, that's the answer. Jesus is the answer, always will be, for whatever question you got. He's Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.